This is Godzilla. We are going to talk about my favorite movie, Godzilla 2014. Yes! We like this movie, Suzella and I, because it's about us. Yes! Alert, alert. Godzilla and Suzilla have escaped the Kaiju room. Operation Folded Taco is now in effect. Celest, hide all tacos. Dallas, begin herding operation. No! Why are the tacos always gone? Tacos! Okay, what is happening here? Where are we? Glix, give us a situation report. Currently we are on the planet Geekery. Be warned, our impossibility drive may cause distortions uh -oh. as we traverse this land. Impending impossibility engaging in three, oh two, oh one. Hello, Devoted Geeks. Welcome to Calm Talk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions, the show from Devoted Geeks who are devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm Dallas, and this is Celeste, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. This is episode 90 yes. of Calm Talk. Super excited about it. It's been a busy day for us already. It's been a busy day. It's been a little while. The uh, Godzilla and Suzilla escaped the Kaiju room. I don't know how that happened. Not entirely sure what's going on with them. They, uh, and apparently, they have show notes out here talking about Godzilla 2014. I guess. Which? How did they get into the movie room? I don't know. They don't have opposable thumbs. <sighs> They're talented. I mean, they don't. How did they work the remotes? They're talented. Yes. <laughs> so, but that works out for us because that is the next movie we're talking about on our road to Godzilla versus King Kong, which is a movie coming up here in just a couple weeks. And I'm excited. Last week, we talked about Kong Skull Island, which was the first movie of the legendary franchise. And um, so Celeste and I were talking about when we're going to talk about this. Now, just to be clear, we've yeah. already talked about on Calm Talk. On Calm Talk. Godzilla 2014. When was that? That was episode 20. And actually, it split up into two episodes. And that was with our friends, the Ruiz family. And um, uh, check out Francisco Ruiz. He uh, is the host our, the co-host of Retro Rewind podcast. We'll yeah. be links in the show notes before down below uh, for you guys to, to check out that episode with him. And also check out Retro Rewind where he and Paul re review movies 15 years old or older. I honestly cannot wait, Celeste, mm -hmm. for this to become 15 years old. Yes. So we can, <laughs> so we can go on to their podcast and talk about it. I think that will be fun. <laughs> that will be a lot of fun. Dear Paul and Francisco, when... This movie becomes 15 years old or older. We would like to come on yes. and be guests together. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> We're planning. Right. We're planning your podcast, guys. It's all, It's pretty close now if you think about it. I mean, it's 2021, so it's like, what, six years? Six years away? Yeah. How weird is that? <laughs> Paul and Francisco, six years. In six years, we want to be on your podcast. Let's go. That being said, guys, uh, the audio may be a little bit different today. Celeste and I are testing out some new equipment for our church. And so um, bear with us. We've never used this before, but I got to work out the bugs before I start using it for my church. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yay for testing new products. Exactly. So but we're going to be talking about Godzilla 2014. Uh, like, like I said, last week we talked about King Kong. Or I'm not sorry, King Kong. Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Uh, which um, I forgot we ended up. I think we ended up like four out of five kaiju. I don't remember, <laughs> but I believe you. So, 
Um, this movie right here, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, maybe some deeper thoughts about it. I'm going to say this. I've listened to several podcasts. Um, really? About, yeah, really. <laughs> about this particular movie. And I will say there is a mixed reaction amongst individuals. Is there really? Yeah. Some people just don't like this movie at all. Oh, that's sad. Some people think it's the most amazing Godzilla film that's out there. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. (laughs) I said some people think that. It is one of my favorites. Is it? Yeah. All right. Cool beans. Well, we'll talk talk about that here in a second. Uh, But we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your thoughts. And so, um, but let's talk about what this film is even about. If you were to pull up the INDB, it's really not very descriptive at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not. Diane DeVee says this, the world is beset by the appearance of monstrous creatures, but one of them may be the only one who can save humanity. Yeah, that's that's not descriptive (laughs) at all. (laughs) It's a pretty terrible description, but apparently... Like on IMDb, you can um, you can submit our descriptions. Oh, nice! And so um, a few people have have done so. Uh, there was one um, that actually I, I really appreciated the way they put it. Uh, this was done by somebody by name Nick Reganus, and if Rick is listening to this somehow, I apologize for ruining your name. We're sorry. Please contact us and we will make it right. (laughs) Exactly. But Rick says this, 15 painful years after the unexplained and devastating ascent in Jandira's nuclear power plant, the guilt-ridden nuclear expert Joe Brody is still looking for answers. Obsessed with unearthing the truth, the estranged father reunites with his son, the traumatized U.S. Navy explosive ordnance disposal technician Ford. In a desperate effort to decipher a shockingly familiar seismic pattern as a uh, gargantuan pulsating cocoon <laughs> is just about ready to transform into something utterly terrifying. But from the abyss depths of the vast ocean emerges another num- numbing terror. Numbing terror. That's a crazy way of describing it. Another numbing terror. The ultimate kaiju, the king of the monsters, Godzilla. The ultimate kaiju. (laughs) Is he friend or is he foe? And above all, can he destroy the all-powerful adversaries and threaten not only San Francisco, but the entirety of humanity? Is he friend or is he foe? (laughs) That's what was running through my head when you said that. (laughs) I thought that was a good description of the film. Yeah, that's a great description. It blows through a lot of it. Um, it is currently rated as like a six and a half on IMDb, which I think is terrible. I'm not sure I'm rated that low, but we'll we'll get into that later. Uh, it's got a, quite a few individuals in it, people that I didn't recognize. Yeah, about that. <laughs> like it had um, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Ford Brody, who's kind of like the main character, the main protagonist. Is a protagonist? Is that the right word? Yeah, he's the protagonist. And um. I did not recognize him. No. <laughs> he kind of looks like the guy who was in um, Pacific Rim. Um, only vaguely. But I He's see that. not, but he right. looks like him to me. Right. What was interesting was we just finished watching Age of Ultron. Yes. And we knew that Elizabeth Olsen was in it. She plays Ella Bro- Brody. 
Didn't realize Aaron was Pietro. Pietro. Pietro, yeah. Which is fun, interesting because they go from playing siblings to married couple. So that was heavy awkward. They, they, well, to be fair, they played siblings like briefly, not even in the same room in an after credit. Then they did this as married couple and then they went back to siblings. <laughs> it, it's, they, they have a very strange relationship, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. So, um, but Aaron and, uh, and Elizabeth are both in this film. And uh, it's a funny story. I was, uh, well, we'll get into some of their acting. Well, we'll get into this now. Um, as far as actors, yeah, what'd you think of them? I thought they did okay. I think they could have given um, Elizabeth Olsen a little bit more screen time, mm-hmm. uh, shown that perspective of things mm-hmm. a little more. But I also just like her as an actress. Right. So interesting story. Um, <laughs> so the guys over at uh, one of the podcasts I listen to, which is called uh, Kaiju Weekly. Yeah, they're the ones who do the the Kaiju Ramen magazine. magazine. That I've, been, I've been wanting to get. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to get that magazine. Kaiju Ramen, if you guys are listening to this. Not Kaiju Ramen, Kaiju Weekly. Um, I appreciate you guys. I enjoy your podcast. I love what you guys do. And uh, I've enjoyed listening to you guys over the last, um, I think I found them probably about a month and a half ago, two months ago. It's been about two months. Yeah, and I've been enjoying listening to them. But uh, <laughs> they did a review of this. There'll be a link in the description for you guys to listen to their v- review of this. Mm-hmm. This was actually their first film that they reviewed. Oh, interesting. And uh, they called Aaron Taylor white bread, Sergeant white bread, because he was so bland. I mean, he was? (laughs) But at the same time, I think he was just playing the stereotypical military grunt. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe. Like, he's a jarhead. (laughs) Not quite a jarhead. He's Navy. Uh, He was acting like a jarhead. (laughs) But he just wasn't... Like, he wasn't present. Like, where there's supposed to be emotion, there just wasn't at certain times. Um, he really just kind of went them, and I don't know if that's script writing. I think it may be him or because we we kind of noted uh, his lack of emotion and acting in Age of Ultron as well. This is true. This is true. So, um, so he's not really looked upon favorably by several people already, and you and I were saying, were saying the same thing. Elizabeth Olsen, I think she did all right for the parts that she had. Yeah. And what's sad to me is the guy who I think did the best, he's the character that sticks out the most in the entire film, mm-hmm. is um, Ford's dad. Yeah. Joe Brody. Yeah. And uh, like the description said, he's kind of distraught. In the beginning of the film, there's this... Um, let's, let's talk about the beginning of the film. Okay. Because to be honest, the first... I don't know even how long the first half... first Like it's like maybe 20 minutes of the film, 30 minutes of the film. Yeah, he's not in there long. I think it's probably one of my favorite parts of it. One of my favorite parts. There's several parts that I just I like. Yeah. And I think this film it does this thing where it goes up and then it kind of chills and then mm-hmm. like there's these swells of like this is great. And and uh, Brian Cranston is the actor who plays Joe Brody. I think he does a great job. I feel like he's been in other things too. Oh, he's been in ton of things, tons of things. You've seen him in. Uh, well, you you didn't you never watched Breaking Bad, but he was Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, he was in Argo. Um, he was in The Stand. Um, I mean, he's done he's done lots and lots of stuff over the years. He's a great actor, uh, fantastic actor, actually. But in the beginning of the film, you have the disaster that takes place where there's a nuclear power plant that he and his wife both work at. Mm-hmm. And there's these seismic, uh, what what they call them? Seismic? Waves? Yeah, seismic waves of some sort. 
And um, and he's like, he's concerned. He's like, this is not right. And he's ha- he's like, hey, we got to shut down the reactor. And so he's trying to get a meeting, and he sends his wife to go check some stuff. She needed to check the sensors because he wanted to make sure that it wasn't them going bad, and he looks like the hysterical American. Exactly. So they send him. She, he sends her down there, unknowing that he was sending his wife to her death. Yeah. That scene. Let's talk about let's sit let's hover on that scene for a little bit. How did you take that scene? Um it was it was interesting because at first you get the feeling that this guy is all business. He's not really focused on his family. He's all about his work because it's he's up early, he's talking on the phone and it's his birthday, his kids freaking out because he's up and his wife's like, it's okay, we're going to figure it out. But they managed to in the short, because the wife is not in it for maybe five, ten minutes. Yeah. Um, in that short amount of time, you went from your initial response of this guy is just your stereotypical absent father who's into business, but he's there, but he's really into his business to he is somebody who legitimately cares about his wife. He cares about his family. And he cares about um, everybody else. The whole, because this is on, this plant is on an island. Right. There's other people. Yeah. So they, they very quickly they built a relationship there. The thing that got me was when he's sitting or he's he's at the doorway and he's yelling for his wife, hurry, hurry, hurry. Like you feel the emotion. Yeah. Um, uh, Crankston does such a great job of like, like you feel the terror of a man who's going, my wife may die. Yeah. And I sent her there. Exactly. And then to have the, he has to shut, he is the one with his hand. Not only did his wife to die, he's the one that locked her in. Yeah. Well, at the same time, he had to be because if he hadn't, she wouldn't have had as much of a chance Mm -hmm. because somebody else would have shut that door much quicker. Right. So, I don't know, like that scene really got to me. Watching that emotional scene, like that to me was the starting point of of everything of the film that made me go, I'm into this film right now. Like, spoiler, Mm. I like this film. (laughs) (laughs) We both liked this film. Right. But that one portion right there, he did such a great job of wrapping you into it. And then the next 20 minutes of the film, you really see the effects of grief on a person. Yeah, you do. Like, and, and you see kind of both sides of it. Yeah. Um, as much as we, um, <laughs> as, as they call him, Sergeant Whitebread, was bland, um, there is a level of when you go through a great loss, some people come out just numb. Yeah. And, I, and this is where I was struggling with. Was he bland because he came out numb from dealing with the loss or was he bland because the actor is just bland? Um, I think it may have been a bit of both. I think he may have been directed to play it like you're numb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I think it may just be some of the actor. because mm. well, But it does make sense for him to be less emotional Mm-hmm. in certain aspects because he does have the military training. And so with military guys, it they instantly kick into the the uh, work mode when, yeah. when crap hits the fan. 
and that is a thing. Like I've seen it happen. You and I have um, here in Shreveport. We uh, we live very close to a base, and we've known uh, many people who are military. Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, both my mentors are veterans, but one of them that I've been around a lot more. Um, he is uh, a Marine veteran. Yeah. And and there is a mode that he kicks into. That it's just it's gonna get get crap done, and it doesn't matter who's in his way; it's just gonna happen. And then he'll just decompress later <laughs> yeah. if he needs to. And so, um, if it was intentional, mm-hmm. if the bland acting, the look, we're just doing this, was intentional, it was a great job of showing the two sides of dealing with grief. Yeah. Whereas uh, the father just dove into it out of guilt and grief, mm-hmm. and then the son. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, um, his he just got he just pushed through it, came out. I'm just gonna get life done, right? Move forward, and 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 just try to ignore the pain that I'm dealing with. Which would make sense considering the age he was, mm-hmm. and then watching his dad descend into this almost mania. Yeah, that it would make sense for him to to be numb and just kind of okay let's get this done okay let's get this done okay let's get this done right so again and we may just be making too much of a deal of it (laughs) you know uh is it is it legitimately that they did this or is it a matter of it just was what it was i don't know i can't speak for that Uh, but if it was legitimately i think they did a great job playing that off um but Crangston, of course, he dies shortly afterwards. <laughs> they get to the Mudo. Which I'm kind of sad about because I really wanted more of his, his, uh, he did a good job of playing someone who you thought was crazy, mm-hmm. who was obsessed, who was a conspiracy theorist type mm-hmm. person. Not that all conspiracy theorists are crazy, but <laughs> he was, he was, you know, t- he was just a, a roll of aluminum foil away from being a tenfold hat person. Um, but he was right. Yeah, he was. And so I would have enjoyed getting to watch him mm-hmm. gloat in being right. Oh, yeah. And I think him and Sarazawa would have made a good, good combination right. of Sarazawa's very staunch Japanese deadpan right (laughs) and then this lunatic over here (laughs) (laughs) well since you mentioned sirs i was getting to him he was a he's another one of the main characters i'll put them in the top four characters and so that does imdb apparently um but sirs who uh ishiro is uh they say that he was actually named ishiro sirs a to uh as homage to ishiro honda who um was the dude basically that He's the he's the guy from the original Godzilla series. Hmm. Um, he did all the all the work there, and then Sarazawa is a reoccurring character, or not a character, but uh, the name of the main scientific character. Hmm. And so um, you have Sarazawa. Now, one of the things that a lot of people complained about, especially when this came out, mm-hmm. like I, 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 I took some time to go back and listen to previous podcasts that talked about this film. And one of the running problems a lot of people had with this film, and maybe, maybe let me know your thoughts. Okay. There wasn't enough information about who Sarah Ozawa was. Like, you felt like you were coming into the middle of a story, and they, there's a disconnect. You're like, who's Sarah Ozawa? Why is there this stuff that he knows? And the problem is, to really understand some of the stuff, 
you've had to have read the comic books. I can see that because the first time I watched this, I was real confused about Monarch too. I was mm-hmm. like, what is happening? Like, because, and I kind of mentally clung to the military side of things because that's what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. That's what you generally see. Um, Monarch was not as played up in this movie as it is in King of the Monsters. So, or even Kong Skull Island. Or even Kong Skull Island. So it w- it kind of took a background. So if you didn't know, like I could definitely see that. It took probably the third watching of this for me to really understand who he was. Mm-hmm. Like even when we watched um, King of the Monsters, he's in it again and he references the same watch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's sad that he's referencing this watch and then watching it again the other day, I'm going, oh, that's the same watch. Mm -hmm. That was a carryover. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see why people would complain about that. Yeah. And, but he is a a tricky character that you have to have basically read other stuff. I remember when we first watched this film uh, years ago, I initially thought perhaps these were callbacks to, not just callbacks, but direct references to uh, 1954, Gozira. Like I thought maybe when I first watched the film that they were trying to play off as the events of Gojira in 1954 mm-hmm. were a prequel to this film, which they've done that before in other films. Yeah, they have. Um, Godzilla 1985, or I'm sorry, <laughs> 1984 or 1985, Godzilla Returns. That's the basis of it. Gotcha. Gojira took place and then uh, all the other films in the show's film series did not happen. <laughs> mm, yeah. All the wild stuff and then mm, jump straight yeah. to 1984. Um, and so I thought that's what they were doing here, mm-hmm. but then you're like, no, no, this is a whole new world, and you've had to have read the comics whole where, <laughs> where Sarazawa, like he's been involved since the back in the day. His dad was part of was part of the beginning of Monarch, mm. uh, which even has some discrepancy because in this film they kind of made it sound like his dad died at Hiroshima, um, whereas or Hiroshima, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, Whereas in the comic book, his dad didn't die. He was just there for it. Hmm. I think at some point somebody said that it was actually his grandfather. I don't remember that. I have it. Maybe it was something my brain just invented. I haven't read the comics, but I, I could have sworn that the watch while it had been his dad's had originally been his grandfather's. I mean, maybe. Uh, but he specifically mentions that it was his father. Yeah, was he does. In, uh, Hiroshima. When he's trying to make the general feel crunchy. Right. So those are kind of the four main characters that we that um, I would say are the main portions of the of the film, which kind of brings us to another topic of discussion about Godzilla. And I know that for those of you listening, you're like, well, how come you're not really telling us some more of the storyline or thing? We want to encourage you guys to watch it. We're yeah. kind of commentating on some of it. Um, one of the complaints people have about this film. And again, this is one of the things I'd like to hear from you, Celeste, is the lack of seeing Godzilla, um, the right. lack of seeing him involved. Um, and I know I've, I've completely thrown the script out as how we were going to do this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. We're just kind of talking this out together. Um, I'll tell you what, let's get into that, co- that question in a bit. Okay. Let's talk about what we liked about the film. Let's, let's do that. Well, that actually, that conversation leads into something that I like about the film. Well, good. Tell me what you like about it. <laughs> I actually am a fan 
that Godzilla was not shown a ton because yeah. it makes him seem scarier. Mm-hmm. It makes him seem more ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, they he, they show him. They show his back. They show flashes of him and the Mudos. Um, but it's not as prevalent and it's it's all to i think to build up this fear mm. of how big and how bad he is mm-hmm. i mean he he's a big boy right <laughs> he, he's a chunky he's a chunk monk <laughs> um and so which is something i know people have complained about that he was a fat godzilla right um but it's a film trick Mm-hmm. A script trick, a I don't know what you call it, but it's been utilized before in mm-hmm. some pretty well-known movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the the most notable example that I know of is in Silence of the Lambs. You know, you have this this movie where this character Hannibal Lecter is the most memorable part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like even people who have never seen the movie know his lines. He was on a total of like seven minutes. Right. And so, but it's the building up and the talking about it mm-hmm. that make him so scary in that movie. So it's, they were doing a similar thing with Godzilla. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, supposedly, um, Crankston is quoted as saying that the guy who directed this film was heavily inspired by the movie Jaws. Did you ever watch that one? No, I haven't watched that one. Somebody told me um, that they hurt the shark in the end, and I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> well, in Jaws, they play on this aspect of um, you don't actually see the, the 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 beast of the deep until like the last couple bit of the movie. They hold off, and it's um it's a it's a thing to raise a, spin, a suspense. Yes, but what it does is it. It builds up a suspense level because what you're doing is you're turning the the subject, the object that you're hiding, from being just a character to being a force, mm. to being a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just a like he's present. Like you f- you don't just see him, you feel him. You feel the effects of him. It lets your imagination do a lot of the work. Yeah, absolutely. Because like. Not, I didn't have a ton of Godzilla information before we watched this movie the first time. I have since gained quite a bit more. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. But not having, coming into this, not having a ton of Godzilla information. Mm -hmm. Because like, I didn't even watch the Godzilla from the 90s, the one that I like so much. I didn't watch that until I was a grown adult. Did you, the first time you watched that was that when you and I were on uh, Retro Rewind podcast talk, uh, for the summer of free? Yes. Oh wow! That was the first time I'd That's ever right, seen we it. About that. We did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, it's not like I had this predisposition, so I didn't know what Godzilla was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And so when he comes out of the water and they show you his full form, it is so much more terrifying. <laughs> as someone who didn't know what what to expect, mm-hmm. then. It would have been had they instantly been like, oh, look, this is Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And then you also have the fact that the scientists, the monarch agents, had never seen Godzilla full out. Mm. He hadn't necessarily been on land. They were just bombing floating scales. (laughs) So it it kind of gives you that. It's an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I guess I didn't realize this this was your first Godzilla film. I think it was. I think that's one of why it's in my top ten. Right. So this this obviously top it brings 10, a top level five. Of, of difference for you trying to experience this as a new. I think a lot of people who go in, who talk about Godzilla in podcasts, they're they're longtime Godzilla fans at some mm-hmm. point. So again, like like we said, he's he's more of a force than just a character. Yeah. And I, I take that back. Hmm? I think you and I watched the original Gojira when we were dating. Did we really? I think we did. I don't remember that, but I believe I have vague for for the podcast listeners, when Dallas and I were dating, he his sister has a cat, had a cat. <laughs> and so I would go to their house and chill, but I would have to take Benadryl while I was there. <laughs> so there's quite a few movies that I kind of remember seeing, but not really. Right. Because I was on Benadryl <laughs> and and coffee and barely staying awake. I just right. wanted to hang out with my people. It happens. Um but like I said, he this this Godzilla is more of a force. At least that's what they were doing with it. Yeah. Uh, which kind of brings me to something else I like about the film, and they did a little bit of this with this with the Kong film. Um, they put you in the perspective of individuals in very interesting ways. Um, example: the airport scene where Godzilla first fights the Muto, and the, right before they do the first big reveal. Yeah. You see Godzilla put his foot down, boom, and it goes black, right? Mm-hmm. But it's from perspective of somebody. It's, they're they're inside of this mass. I think it's an airport, and there's this massive window, and they're seeing this take place. Or there's a couple times where um, you're seeing it through the eyes of a go- of goggles. Like yeah. they've, they've put these goggles on for one reason or another, whether it's the halo jump, and you see these flashes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've closed the world in, or they made the world so so big, but the camera's so small. It really gave you a sense of the the gargantuanness of Godzilla, the Mutos, and just again the force of what these creatures were. Yeah, um, I think that the, another really good thing they did is when the when Godzilla was first fighting the Muto, and it was in Honolulu and it was on the news in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They went from showing you flashes through firelight of Godzilla and the Muto, mm-hmm. but then they switched to Brody's son watching it on the news. Yeah, yeah. And so that is actually when you get your first really good look at Godzilla, but it's on a TV. Exactly. Like they do a great job just putting you. Again, it, I keep going back to this vocabulary. He's a force. Mm-hmm. Um, you never like um, when the the second Muto is revealed and it's escaped from the bunker that's that's been eating radiation for fifteen years. You see it, you see the back of it from a distance. You're like, what the heck's happening? Right. It cuts away. And the next thing you know, you see people banging on doors and these these firefighters coming into this room that's half the building is gone. And they look out, you see helicopters flying by, and all you see is the path of destruction of the Mudos. The director, in my opinion, was intentional mm-hmm. about making you feel the effects of these creatures as if they were... Um, a tornado, yeah, a hurricane. A lot of the imagery that they had uh, reminds me of news channels coming in after a natural disaster. Yeah, forces like, of nature. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. So maybe we should start naming our hurricanes here in Louisiana after Kaiju. <laughs> we had a Category 6 King Ghidorah hit today. and <laughs> <laughs> no, not a King Ghidorah, because that means it's hit Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas all at the same time. We don't need Ghidorah. Because it's three heads. Because it's three heads. 
No, 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 no. It would need to be, we have a 2014 Godzilla. We have a 1999 Godzilla. <laughs> <We> <laughs> oh, I love this so much. I love <laughs> this, this is now how Dallas is going to refer to to hurricanes. We have a Rodan coming. Right. <laughs> All right. So, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to read some uh, comments from some, some of you amazing devoted geeks uh, from our devoted geek life poll that we put up. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that we uh, didn't like. So, we'll see you guys on the flip side. <laughs> Hey y'all, my name's The Keeper. I have been told that I'm something of a, what they call a Q-type character in this uh, show called Playing Games with Strangers. Now, I don't know how I feel about that, uh, given the implications of who this Q is on this uh, fangled uh, Star Trek or whatever it's called. But anyway, uh, I recommend heading on over to playing games with strangers and listening to an episode or two and possibly uh, letting them know that no, he's not cute. He is a uh, benevolent, uh, all-knowing creature who just happened to put somebody in the wrong timeline. Anyway, I'll see y'all then. Thanks for listening. All right, and we are back. Uh, from our commercial break, I want to encourage you guys to go check out uh, those guys that we just showed you. Uh, we never play a commercial for anybody here that we just don't personally like. <laughs> it's just how it is. Uh, nobody pays us money for these commercial breaks. If you like to pay us, <laughs> we we will we will take paid promotion and we will promote you even if we don't like you if you pay us <laughs> within reason. Now we will be honest about you. Oh yeah, especially if you give us product. Uh, oh, I'll yeah. give you an honest product review. Uh, so give us good product. <laughs> you want a good review? Give us good product. Right. Speaking of reviews, let's hear some reviews from some people from Devoted Geek Life that we posted a poll on. And uh, I want to encourage you guys to join Devoted Geek Life. Go on Facebook.com. Look up Devoted Geek Life and you will find our um, um, you'll find our group. <laughs> All right. So uh, Drew from Cellcast uh, Podcast uh, says first Godzilla movie I saw in theaters. It was awesome. Now I'm wondering if it was his first Godzilla film ever, or if it was just the first one he saw in theaters. Yeah, that's interesting. So he said that. Now the rest of the comments, well, no, we'll get into that in a second. Kevin, the Dafferman says, okay, I'm not gonna read that Kevin's. So <laughs> <laughs> let me read Josh Berkey. Um, he goes. This GIF, which the GIF I posted up for the poll, is this stinking adorable, adorable Godzilla with his light, his tail lighting up different colors, and then he's spraying a rainbow with like this kawaii eyes on. Kawaii. 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 <laughs> and he says this GIF was better than the movie. Oh, I mean, the GIF is pretty awesome. <laughs> and then um, our friend. John Haru of Primitive Rhythm Machine, which is a podcast segment we have here at Geek Devotions. He says, meh. Meh. Which leads us to the stuff that we're going to go meh. meh on for this film. So, Celeste, what did you look at this film and go meh? Um, 
I mean, I'm not I'm not great at critiquing things because I really didn't have any great dislikes of it. Mm-hmm. There's there's a few things I really wish that Joe Brody had been in it more. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more backstory on Sarazawa. Um, there was a few times where I'm just going, why are people being stupid? Like when it was showing the 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 people who've been injured in the initial attack on Honolulu, mm-hmm. they had people like hooked up to IVs, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, I know those IV pumps. A, they're not on. <laughs> B, they're electric. If the Moodle comes through and does an EMP, they're not gonna pump. <laughs> the, the, uh. Ladies and gentlemen, Sluss works for the medical field. She's not a nurse necessarily, but she knows a thing or two. <laughs> I, I have less schooling than a nurse. Right. So, yeah. So you've seen a thing or two. I will say that there are some small things here and there that just like didn't make sense. Like, like, how come nobody noticed the giant hole out of the back of a mountain? That, to me, kind of makes sense because if it had just happened, they probably heard the noise. That's the thing is they did They were just going through the building room by room. Mm. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, check this one. Oh, wow, there's, there's a lot a of bright light here. light. What happened? What's going on, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was just ridiculous to me. And there's, there's several small moments where they're like, do you guys have common sense? The fact that in the nuclear storage place, they weren't wearing nuclear things. <laughs> like they're just running around right. checking doors. And that's another thing that drives me nuts. It's like they, and you see this several times in several different, um, Godzilla films. They know that these creatures survive and eat electric waste. Or not electric waste, but nuclear, nuclear waste. waste. The first Mudo, I mean, he literally, like his, just his cocoon cleared the entire city uh, of all the nuclear fallout. The, the, that they and sucked three reactors dry in a day. I'm like, why are you feeding it? And they're like, you know, our bomb will take care of this. No, dude. It doesn't like, work that way. Well, and I kind of, the, I kind of understand it because the general was like, because they said they said that they're like they eat radiation. He goes, yeah, it's the lure, and then the blast is going to take them out. I'm like, because that's worked before. Exactly. It's like, it's like saying, yeah, we're going to give this fish a worm to lure him out, but then we're going to give him a bigger worm to kill him. And what? Slap him in the head with the worm. <laughs> <laughs> So that was annoying. That being said, um, one of the common things that people have said, I want us to get your thoughts on this list. Okay. Uh, one of the big complaints that people have often is there was too much human element in the movie. There were too many, it focused too much on the people. Now, you and I kind of handled this a little briefly on the previous segment when we were talking about the fact that we enjoyed that we didn't see guys though. Yeah. Like we appreciate that he was more of a force to be reckoned with than a, an actual character. Right. But was there too much focus on the people in the film? I think that it was trying to achieve something different. And the people who wanted to watch it for a Godzilla film Mm -hmm. were not wanting that. But even in the original, they focused a lot on the human element. 
it's not like Godzilla was, you know, around constantly. I think Godzilla was actually more active in Shin Godzilla mm-hmm. than he was in the original. Well, let's we'll, we'll not use Shin Godzilla as a, as a measuring stick either <laughs> because that's a highly debated one also. <laughs> Derpzilla. <laughs> I kind of want Derpzilla. I want that. It's so it's a stuffy? It's a stuffed animal. <laughs> it's so cute, except I want its little neck to... To rotate grossly like it did in the What is happening here? <laughs> it's it's like I like animals stuffed animals with tongues and then I can stick their my finger in their nose. It's it's just a thing. <laughs> right, well if anybody's out there can find Derpzilla for us. Derpzilla. That's <laughs> an adorable <laughs> stuffy. Let us know. Because <laughs> Dallas has to shop for my birthday soon. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> it's coming up soon. All right. So I think you're hitting on uh, on a point that I, I I feel like I agree with. There is the human element, but that's how you tell stories. Yeah. I mean, if if all we were doing was following a beast doing stuff, I mean, well, we got monstrous Discovery Channel. Is that what people want? I mean, they did do a quite a few a quite successful movie about penguins, but that had Morgan Freeman narrating it. So <laughs> maybe that's what we need is Morgan we Freeman. Need Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, if you're listening to this podcast, we need you to narrate Godzilla. Morgan Freeman, if you're listening to this podcast, I need you to let us know because I will just die. <laughs> just be like, what? And die. <laughs> so uh but I I feel like you need the human now could the human element been better acted at times. Mm, yes, yeah, sure. we discussed that earlier. Um, Sergeant Whitebread. Uh, <laughs> he was Lieutenant Whitebread. Lieutenant Whitebread. Um, again, if it was done on purpose, okay. If it was just bland acting, you know. I'm kind of offended for Whitebread. <laughs> because, like, I make some really good white bread. <laughs> <laughs> but you make sourdough white bread. I make pretty good regular <laughs> bread. Technically, the hollow bread is a white bread. You going to make some for us this weekend? Maybe. Sweet. <laughs> Eating good tonight, guys. No. Um, but I think if the element of, of the acting had been a little bit better, I think people would have less issues with it. I think the problem is, and, and, and let me know your thoughts on this, list. And those of you who are listening, I want to know your thoughts. Is the desire to have seen more kaiju fighting do you think it's based on the fact that society, pop culture, when they present Godzilla, when they present kaiju stuff, they always cut to the monster rampaging the city. Hmm. Like that's like when you watch pop films, they they cut to a scene of, of a kaiju thing. It's always showing you the 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 what the XYZ monster, whether it's a giant ant or whatever. Tremors. Destroying the Jesus. yeah, exactly. Destroying the cities. The, the, but it's a, they don't show you the forty five minutes that led up to that of human interaction dealing with it, struggling with with it, and then the time after them had them trying to get through it. Like these are part of those films that they show, mm-hmm. but pop culture only shows you those couple minutes of action. Do you think people have been trained to think a kaiju film is only good when those things are taking place. I don't know because maybe that's just what's mo- most memorable about those movies. Like because of the destruction of the intensity of the destruction. Um, you know, the alien movies, 
the first one was incredibly long and did not show the xenomorph a ton. Mm. It showed it enough, <laughs> but but nobody think talks about the the in between things. Right, they talk about when the xenomorphs on the screen. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just because because it's so big because it's so fantastical that that's what people focus on and so that's what they go to see. Mm-hmm. They don't go to see to watch a movie about, you know, a military guy who just got home and has to go save his dad from jail because he was breaking a quarantine zone. Mm-hmm. And like until you brought in the monsters, it was just a regular old movie. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Let us know. Um and um you guys can reach out to us all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just private message us. You know, what did you think? Or what do you think about this particular topic? Why is it that people feel like human element is not worth it? Give us some point of reference though. We've had some <laughs> some interaction from the podcast that it comes a few days later and it leaves us both going, wait, what? What did we say? We don't remember. <laughs> Looking at you, John, how are you? Uh, <laughs> David Gardner. <laughs> so let us know, guys. And um, let's have a conversation about this. So Celeste, let's, let's bring this down. Final rating. Um, part two of our road to Godzilla versus Kong. Is this movie worth watching? I'd say yes. Yeah? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think this is like the third time, maybe the fourth time I've watched it. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it every time. I'm always finding something new, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. I'm always finding something new. Like I just now noticed about the IV pumps. Mm-hmm. This this go around. I didn't <laughs> notice that before. Right. Um, there's There was a couple times I'm like, eh, this is not how that should go. <laughs> like when Brody was telling the, the EMT, when the EMT was like, did you pass out? And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, that EMT would not let him leave <laughs> because EMTs are like a dog with a bone. Mm-hmm. Are you, did you pass out? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. So out of five, Kaiju, how, what are you rating it? Uh, I'm going to say five. All right. Uh, all right. So for me, I'm with you. I like this one a lot. Uh, every time I watch it, there's something new. There's things I love about it. The The halo drop scenes are gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. We need a poster of one of those halo I, drop scenes. I know, right? Um, and I, I remember correctly from our first round talking about this with the Roos family, that was a favorite for all of us was the halo drop scene. It was gorgeous. Um, I don't think I was on that podcast. I think I'd gotten sick. You had, unfortunately. Um, and so you have all that taking place. Um and like every time I see it, I, like like you said, I, I see something new. Um, I would like to check out. I need somebody to confirm this for me first. Um, they've released the 4K version. Oh. Yes, it's a new set. I think I think I heard there might be a steel box. One of the common complaints about this movie is it's so so dark. It is so dark. So dark and so seen. And so, um, I can't remember it being that dark when I watched it in theaters. I remembered it being that dark when we watched it, but when we first watched this movie, it was on your laptop in the car. I watched this movie in theaters. I I did not. Yes. So, yes, in my car on the laptop, probably pretty dark, but I don't recall it being this dark in theaters. So I'm curious, if somebody's watching this and you bought the 4K version, 
is it as dark as the DVD as the original Blu-ray release? See, but then we don't have a 4K TV, so then I don't know if my hope us. is they remastered the entire uh, process. <laughs> that might work. That so, that might help. Yeah, we also have a 4K player. So. <laughs> but does it show up even if it's not a 4K TV? It won't be as clean, but yeah. Okay. So for me, I'm gonna give it a five. Woohoo! I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good, a good movie. It was fun. Uh, there are, I like the hel- the human elements to it. I mean, I recommend this. Yeah. No, admittedly, some of the acting could have been better, mm-hmm. but I mean, still. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, guys, that is our review on Godzilla 2014. So, let's get any final thoughts on Godzilla 2014? Go see it. Go see it. All right, so guys, go check it out, and uh, we want to hear your thoughts. What did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? If you haven't seen the movie, has this convinced you to maybe see it or not see it? Uh, let us know. Um, and then, like I said, check out the show notes for the links for those other individuals that we mentioned before uh, because they're amazing. Join us next week because we're going to be talking about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I was like, which one comes next? <laughs> I forgot. We're going to do that one. And then we're also going to have, at some point, we have another primitive rhythm machine coming out. And yes. And then at some point, we'll also have a bees, views, and reviews. Right. But the bees, views, and reviews are probably going to be postponed for a little bit. But then what I'm also really excited about also is we're going to have a episode with Josh Berkey of Victims and Villains. I want to encourage you guys to go check out that podcast. Go subscribe to it right now. And we're going to be talking about the original Kong versus Godzilla from the 60s. Yes. I'm really excited about that conversation with Josh. And then we're going to be having a conversation on Josh's podcast, Victims and Villains, about the new movie. Yes. Excitement. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Celeste. Well, let's... uh, uh, let's land this plane and then we need to go check on, on Godzilla and Suzilla and make sure they're they're okay and feed them tacos and rub their bellies. We fed them tacos, so I don't understand why they got out because we just fed them. Did we give them tapatio though? I don't know, but I know that it was barbacoa tacos. I, it might have been the tapatio. We, I don't think we gave them tapatio this time. Well, that's your department. I'm sorry. Well, we'll fix that. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Calm Talk today. If you have loved this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. So until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love. Peace and love.